Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Hey, good morning. Today we're going to be talking about such an exciting word today called forgiveness. Yes, yes, yes. That's going to be a very, very challenging conversation for us to to have today. And uh, forgive uh, me for actually having to be here today. So maybe you guys will give me a little bit of grace. Pastor Josh reached out to me uh, just a few weeks ago and uh, said that he had an opportunity to to go do something on Sunday uh, with his son and asked me if I would uh, cover for him. And I said, absolutely, uh, because that's one thing that I cherish so much about this church is values. It's the value that you, because, you know, the thing is like you see churches uh, on the outside and you never kind of really know what's on the inside. And, um, you know, a lot of assumptions are, and I have been in those churches and maybe you have too, where I've literally seen uh, the, you know, whether it's the deacons and boards and things like that, they almost really want their pastors to sacrifice their family in the name of their church. Uh, I kind of find that hard to believe. Uh, that's what God would want us to do. Um, because I'm telling you this right now, uh, jobs are important, all kinds of things are important, but your family is important. And you need to invest in your family and you need to spend time with them. And um, so anyway, that's uh, why I get this uh, amazing opportunity. Uh, we're, as we're continuing uh, our letters series, we're gonna be talking about the book of uh, Philemon today, but I kind of wanna kind of talk uh, a little bit about thinking about kind of getting the, the, the main theme for this. And I know I already said forgiveness. Um, Man, forgiveness can come in all shapes and forms. You know, usually how forgiveness works is we can forgive those who are kind of a distant relationship, but not so much the ones that are close to us, right? Isn't that kind of amazing how we we tend to use forgiveness uh, with all of the asterisks behind it every time we use it. You know, it's not a it's not a one shoe size uh, fits all today. But I, I, I this is a very very important book of the Bible. It's super short, but it's gonna it's it's very um, impactful. But I found a couple of interesting quotes on forgiveness that kind of gets us the context of the word. One of the quotes is, "Forgiveness does not change the past." but it does enlarge the future. Forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. And lastly, to forgive is to set a prisoner's free and then discover the prisoner was you all along. So you're going to get to hear a lot of different angles on how important uh, forgiveness is. And I came across this neat little statistic on the University of Harvard uh, did a uh, some kind of a basically a small contained study on forgiveness on people under. And this was not from a religious standpoint. This is truly just letting go and forgiving people. And one of the common factors that they found through all this was the people who were letting people go. The people who are forgiving people for wrongdoings seem to have less stress. They had less anxiety. Their overall blood pressure, pulse, all their health seemed to be better. Those who were uh, abusing and just partaking in different substances, alcohol, seemed to have less intake of all those things. And then they saw, lastly, 
they seem to have more self-esteem. So even from a worldly standpoint, the power of forgiveness is amazing. It's huge. So I want to hit two quick theme and points real quick. We're going to do, first of all, forgiveness is to be a priority. That's, that's kind of strong tacking the word priority onto it. It's not saying it's something that you should consider doing. This is something you should move up your list because it changes everything. Next, forgiveness has no boundaries. This is the part, listen, if I haven't done it before, you guys have heard me a couple of times, like I try to be as real as possible. I don't know about you because that's what speaks to me. I speak to people who are like, oh, you got problems? Great, so do I. Let's do this thing together. But forgiveness has no boundaries. And this is why it's easy, but it's not easy. So let's, let's get a clear, clear, clear picture of what forgiveness is, but what it's not. I'm gonna go through a couple of things really quick. And this is what forgiveness is not. Are you ready? All right, you said yes. All right, forgiveness is not denying, approving, or diminishing the wrong that was committed against you. It's not that at all. Forgiveness is not ignoring the wrong. Forgiveness is not enabling. Forgiveness is not forgetting the sin that was committed to you. See that one right there? The enemy will use that one a lot. Oh, psh, you remember, so you hadn't forgiven someone. Good, because we're going to talk about that later. Forgiveness is not dying emotionally and no longer feeling the pain of the transgression. No, that's called human. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. That's a whole lot of knots. Because you know what? You know, it's interesting. Not only will the enemy use that against you, people will use every single one of those against you. Oh, you didn't really forgive me because you remember it. Good, you're not supposed to forget it. It's called wisdom. It's no different in you walking up to something on the stove and, you know, he. if you came up in an older generation and what would you, Parents, grandparents will say, just let them do it. They'll only do it once. <laughs> right? And it's interesting, the culture now, it's like parenting's gotten so soft. They're like, well, we don't, we don't want to cause our kids any emotional turmoil. Well, good, because the prison will do that for them. Ouch. And everybody, you know, I love how parents, you've always got opposites because my wife and I, like, we, we, will, we will be like, one will be one way one day the next and the other one will be the next. It's amazing how sometimes, like, my 16-year-old um, this year for the first time uh, is driving and driving his brother to school. Praise God for freedom. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is my history with driving and all that. I am the one that's been getting up in the morning watching on Life 360 going, I think they made it there yet. Bree's over there asleep. And she's like, I can't believe it's you. And I'm like, okay, the, the car stopped. Are they alive? Are they getting wrecked? Is it what happened? Like, it's just crazy. But thank God. Thank God for Life 360. Thank God it wasn't around when I was a teenager. 
My Lord, have mercy. But it's amazing how that flips because when our kids go to make wrong decisions that, that sometimes can inflict pain, I'll usually say, let it happen. Because sometimes pain is a great teacher. Right? But that pain, just like something happening to you, isn't you holding on to it. It's you remembering how it hurt and how for it did not happen again. So forgiveness, that is a whole lot of knots. But let me tell you one simple fact of what it is. Forgiveness is dismissing a debt. Simple. Period at the end. That's the only one I'm going to give you. That's a whole lot of forgiveness is not, but what it is. Because you can't, until you identify, until you fully understand, you can't, you can't use it. Like it doesn't make any sense. And my prayer today is I don't doubt that there's people that are in this room that are this close to their step with Christ and their relationship being on another level, but forgiveness is becoming that door that's shut. And that door has either one or of two names that's on that door. That door is someone that you haven't let go of and forgiven, or to me, what's harder than anything else, it's your name. It always reminds me of like, you remember the Christmas story, the Christmas carol, right? And Ebenezer Scrooge, and at the very end of it, you know, he visits that third ghost and like, how did you not do see what's coming? I mean, the guy looks like death and you're in a cemetery. Of course, whose name's good? That's the whole point. But I remember the very first time I saw like the live action Christmas carol as a kid, which scared the mess out of me. And the moment he looks and it says Ebenezer Scrooge on the uh, the tombstone, it's like the, oh, it's him, he died. Oh, well, like, you know, and his life changed, right? But what if that, what if the Lord showed you this is the barrier between me and you? I didn't put it there, you did, and it's got your name on that door. And you know what's neat? The way, here's how I do, I, I, this is how I picture Jesus. Jesus isn't wanting you to just turn the handle and door. Jesus wants you to walk in the other room, strap explosives to it, and light a match. He wants you to obliterate it, kick through that door, and I picture Jesus on the other side going, about time. We're going to go through the story of Philemon today, and it paints such a good story about this. And a couple of quick facts about this book it's one of the shortest books in the Bible. There's only about 480 words, give or take the translation. There's only 25 verses. And unlike all of Paul's letters, what makes this one so interesting? Check this out. It's the only letter that Paul wrote that he's not preaching Jesus. Hmm, I wonder why. I'll definitely tell you later. All right, he also wrote this, but let's talk about Philemon himself. This is what we know a little bit about him. Uh, Philemon uh, was a convert of Paul. He probably met Paul through through prison, um, and uh, obviously Paul changed his life, led him to Christ to be a disciple. Um, what we do know a little bit about him is he is more of a wealthy person because the Bible describes him having the church of Col- the church of Colossae his house um, to be able to support them, and he was also a slave owner. So Philemon had to have some sort of wealth, but the other person, one of the main catalysts in there is a person named Onesimus. Now Onesimus, um, we don't really know exactly what he did, 
but he was a slave to Philemon. Now, let's, let's, let's get into the context of that because when we talk about slave to someone, a lot of it is the context that we have experienced in America, which is a very dark, cruel, unusual punishment right? It was a bad situation. But in this era, not that they didn't have those same types, but most of the slavery that you saw back during this time was by paying a debt off. You owed something, so therefore you work for someone to pay it off. If you dig into context even more, everybody knows the book of Luke. Luke was a physician. If you read too, Luke was also a slave at some point, not because of a hereditary thing, but because of Luke owing something. So it's it's a difference. So, but we just know that Onesimus owed Philemon. All right, regardless of what that amount was, he fled. He took off, he ran, he disappeared. Um, have you ever had somebody to owe you something and not pay it back? What a fun feeling that one is. I'll tell you a quick story, and this just came to me a quick story. Uh I had, uh, again, you know, last time I preached, I kind of talked about a lot of my infatuations with cars and stuff like that. And uh, this was when I was going through my uh, Fast and the Furious phase, which I sincerely apologize for that. But I got into the whole import thing for a while, and I had a car and, and, and redid it. And it almost seemed like a scene from Fast and Furious movie because this car was literally broken down in someone's backyard with a bad clutch, but I got a crazy deal on it. And if you've ever, if you're a creator of anything or you love to create things, especially if it's woodworking, metal, you can look at a piece of junk, but you don't see the junk, you see what it's going to be. Which is to me exactly how God sees. You may see yourself as a pile of junk, but God says, no, I see what it can be under the right circumstances. So that's for free. Thank you. Um, so I got this car and literally had it delivered to the house because I couldn't drive it because the clutch was burned out. And it comes, my Brie comes out at my parents' house and I was like, look at this. And you should have seen the look on her face. It was not the look I had. She was like, did you lose a bet? Like, I mean, what? So this car was a pretty, pretty, pretty bad situation. But over time and fixing it up, it was it was a great it was a great car. Uh, and then I had somebody who was interested in it, um, but they were like maybe switching cars. Like, let's just do a trade. And this guy had a Mustang he redid. Um, never really been a Ford fan because I'm a Christian, and so. Um, <laughs> I love how brief minutes. So you went, oh, that's a joke. That's a joke. I've always been a Chevrolet Camaro guy. So that was, I was like, yeah, you know what? So one night he's like, hey, me and my girlfriend, like, could, could we like, you know, let us borrow your Eclipse one night. You could do the Mustang and drive it around and then tell us what you think and we'll see about trading it. And I was like, all right, fine. So he takes my car. I take the Eclipse. Um, and then he calls me later that night and goes, Hey man, there's something wrong with your transmission. I said, no, there's not, bro. Um, it is the five speed because you got I me. Mean, you, you know, of course, it's not Fast and the Furious accurate because those cars have like 12 gears in them. So this one only had five. So if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. So he said, no, something's wrong with it. When when he gets the when I get the car back, I get and I know when you know cars when he is pulling up to my house, I could smell it. I could smell the clutch. And I'm like, you moron. And 
First of all, he's like, no, man, we just, we just driving it. And I'm like, there's no way. Come to find out as time goes on, he decided to hot rod it and basically burnt the clutch out in the car. And I said, well, and he was like, then he changed. Oh, I don't want to change cars. Now, this is pre-kids. You don't mess with my babies and that's my cars. Sadly, he knew what church I was at, so that stunk, so I couldn't respond the way I wanted to. It's kind of like, you know, when you drive through our very peaceful Crestview traffic we have. Yeah, there's a reason why I don't have a Hope City sticker on the back of my car right now. I told somebody at first service, I said, hey, if somebody can make me a mechanical sign with a push of a button, that'll have Hope City. And the moment someone makes me mad, I can push the button. It's got another church's name on the back of it. Bless you. Yeah, bless you. (laughs) I go to this church, not Hope City. After that was all said and done, the guy vanishes, won't text phone calls, and here I am, hardly making any money, and then like had to figure out how to get this car fixed. That hurt. I mean, and it was even as time went on, it's like he never even acknowledged it. And the times we would see each other in our small town, it's like he would never bring it up again. But boy, my flesh could sure bring it up in a hurry. But I can't imagine, going, as we're going through this in Onesimus, we're going to go through the story of how reconciliation and forgiveness was forced. So we're going to go through the scriptures really quick. This is starting in verse 10. I tried to speed it up where this is where Paul's getting to the point. He's talking to uh, Philemon. He says, uh, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he became useful both to you and me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in change for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So to any favor to you, um, you do uh, not seem to be forced. Hold on, let me back that up. So that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntarily. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Now, Paul shifts into another gear, verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he, um, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand and I will pay back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. That's pretty confident. That's pretty bold. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do ever more than I ask. Man, that's a pretty harsh letter. There must be some major relational things between <laughs> Paul and Philemon, not only like he's basically saying like, I'm not asking you, but I'm telling you. This is how this is going to be. So he's taking, I can't imagine like, you, <laughs> you ever, it gets to the point where somebody gets on your nerves so much and, there, and, the, and there's things that you're just ready to pay them back and you keep them in your pocket for those days that you can just, you're just having an argument with them and they're not even there, but you are. 
And you feel better by yourself. And the moment they're standing there and you're like, here's my opportunity to say something. I believe that's what Paul had. Paul's probably with, I mean, uh, Philemon is with Onesimus. And he's like, here we go. He's back. I'm about to let this go. Then he gets this letter and he's like going, thank you, Paul. Like just took all the wind out of his sail. What do you, what do you mean I got to welcome him back? Well, not only welcome him back, but now I got to call him a brother. And now I don't even have the chance for him to pay me back. What a tough and strenuous situation that's got to be. Because Paul is pushing Philemon to understand what forgiveness is. Now, you heard me earlier say forgiveness is not reconciliation, and it's not. Let's explain those two things. Forgiveness is singular which means that's you, that's us, that's individuals, that's, that's God working on you, you learning how to let someone go. But reconciliation is you and the other person together. And that can look all different shapes and forms. Just because you reconcile someone, hear me out on this because this is wisdom, still doesn't mean you have to walk together. Because God has given you wisdom to not get hurt again. Again, it's not, what what sometimes Christians love to do is like, you know, you gotta, the, the Bible does say, you know, you need to forgive your fellow man so Christ can forgive you. And then what they do is they put it on you like, well, the Bible also says that when Jesus forgives you of your sins, he casts them as far as the east is to the west. So he forgets the sins. So we should do the same thing. No, that's why he's God and we're not. If Jesus had to view forgiveness the way we do, the cross never would have happened. But what's interesting is remember what I said, Paul didn't actually preach Jesus in this this particular book. He did something different. And here's where we, here's my charge to all of us. He acted it out. It is one thing to tell someone about forgiveness. It's another to do it. Paul was being an example for Philemon, which was a student of his saying, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's probably isn't going to be fun, but this is how this works. Uh, I, I don't even know who come up with the saying, but it makes so much sense about what unforgiveness is. Is you drinking a poison, hoping it's going to hurt somebody else and wishing it would and feeling like it would, but all it's doing is killing you. I've got three R's for forgiveness that we're going to go over here in a minute. But sometimes we got to dig deep. Sometimes we got to dig deep on the inside of us and go, well, who is it that I'm not forgiving? And it may not be somebody else. It might just be you. We are our worst judges. Because you, it's, you know, I had somebody ask me, like, you know, when you get ready to to preach and all, like, are you excited about it? Like, do you ever get used to it? And I said, you know what's amazing is um, once it gets started, I'm fine. but But every time I'm terrified. I'm nervous. I'm always nervous. 
And they're like, well, why are you nervous? And I said, well, my, I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous ever about performing. I could care less about that because God will move some, that's not what it is. I'm always, I want to make sure that someone didn't come here and they're missing out on something just because I'm the one doing it. Which gives the purpose, we all have a purpose. We all have a calling and it's easy to overlook it and realize like, no, God put me in this position because you might be the catalyst that draws someone else to Christ. And absolutely it happens. And you know what happens? This is like clockwork because it did it yesterday. It's always the day before that I hear the whispers, you shouldn't be doing this. Who are you to get up and say this stuff? You know your thoughts. You know the things that come up out of you in some time. How are you going to stand in front of people and read the Bible? Am I the only one who hears that voice? Because it's annoying. And I don't know. And, and look, let's be, uh, let's be honest. It's believable. But then it's like conversations and opportunities happen and the Lord goes, but I know that. But I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to say that. And it doesn't matter because I have a plan for you. And it's amazing how we all discredit ourselves from doing stuff God has for us to do because we are our worst judge. We are the one who we can work out how to extend forgiveness, but we can't look within. Jesus, here's, here, here's my three R's real quick. Number one is redemptive forgiveness. This is the forgiveness we receive during salvation. Number two, restorative forgiveness. This is the forgiveness you receive as a believer when we confess our sins to Jesus. And number three, relational forgiveness. This is the forgiveness you give and receive from others. Jesus is going to line things up in a way of going through testimony after testimony on showing us how we need to live. Have you ever done something where you're like, how could, how can much less anyone, how can I forgive myself for it? See, you, uh, you cannot give what you don't have. You can't look at people and say, I forgive you when you go in front of a mirror and that's the unforgiveness you're staring at right in the face. See, I believe the chosen generation, the chosen people that we are, would take our lives to a whole new level if we truly forgave ourselves. Can I, um, as I'm kind of getting ready to close with, with four quick statements real quick. I, I love personal stories because I feel like it's, we're all human. So I want to be, I, I want to be very transparent for a moment. So Bria and I had been married just a couple of years. Um, and then we had our, our firstborn. And, th- you know, if you guys have been married for half a minute, those first couple of years, whoo, challenging. 
There's so many things that you're getting used to and all these kind of added weights and pressures and all this kind of stuff. Well, at the same moment, not only have we newly been married, but we also um, started ministry, right? That was not something that me and her sought out. It kind of found us. We've kind of shared some of that story. But the church we were at was growing so fast and it was like we were just involved in so much, so much, so much, so much. And unlike this church, I didn't have, I didn't have people in my life that was looking after me spiritually. I had myself convinced that it's for the church, it must be God. To the point, out of all my children, I missed more of my firstborn's life than I did the rest of my kids because I was working all the time. And I convinced myself it was for God. But that's not the point I'm trying to get at. As time went on, arguments, things like that seemed to progress. Now, when I get really mad, when I get very, very frustrated, our staff is so awesome, so gracious. They see me, they, when they know that I am quiet, I'm not happy. That's how I deal with it. I'm a very... I deal with things internally, which is, I know is not good, okay? I have a wife who loves emotional healing and helps me out with that. I live with the spirit of correction, so I get it. But it's, (laughs) in my defense, I feel like I'm protecting others. If I just am quiet, I do. I feel like I'm protecting. Instead Instead of entrusting those who can handle it to help me, I don't, I rob them of that. So I don't even know what the fight was about. Isn't that how a lot of it starts? You can, re- you can remember things, but you can't remember the details. I don't know what this fight was about, but it got to the point to where emotionally, physically, I was just wiped out. And let me tell you, that's when the enemy's coming. The moment you leave a hype service, the moment you got your Jesus on, He's not coming after you then. He knows that's spiritual suicide. He's going to wait till you're tired, till you're frustrated, till you're stressed out, to no end, till the weight is on you, and then he's coming. And he waited for that moment. And I decided not to be that quiet person for a moment. So as this argument is escalating, she's holding Tristan, he's probably a few months old, maybe a year old, if that. And she's deciding to go into the little bitty one bathroom we have to get away from the conversation, which is probably a smart choice, right? Just sometimes you need to separate. You need to say, listen, let's calm down. We'll come back and talk this thing. But I was in that flesh moment where I'm like, I'm not done. She goes into the bathroom and closes the door. And without thinking, I remember kicking that door in with as much force as I possibly could. But what for me sucks on this story more than anything else, I remember her face of fear. I remember the sound that baby made from her jumping in the noise and that baby screaming. I 
could see it. I haven't forgotten it. I can even hear it. And I bet she can too. But you know what? She forgave me. And although we've had our share of arguments, I've never done that again. And I said, no more. It's to the point of, I'm glad she hasn't forgotten it. Because when things do get to certain levels, she can help it not do that again. The enemy will say, if you truly forgave someone, you would have forgotten it. And because you hadn't forgot it, you hadn't forgiven. You can say, actually, first of all, shut up. I know what I know how to guide this because of that. But not only why that story for me sucks even more. That was what Tristan 16, I mean that's 15 years ago. I still fight myself of forgiving myself for that. And I can think of other things too, but I'm like, I'll have all the time. But I wonder like, how, how many people do the same thing that you did something, you made a conscious choice, even though someone has reconciled with you, has forgiven you. Ha, have you forgiven yourself? Because that's, that's my heart today in this message. It's for you. Maybe that's why the Lord said earlier when I heard, he didn't do it in the first service when I heard him say, breathe. Just breathe. It's okay. But you got to let it go. You can't give what you don't have. And don't get to the point of, well, if I forgive myself, it could cause me to do this. If I forgive myself, I might forget this. No, no, the point earlier was faith. I'm sorry, forgiveness has no boundaries. Stop making excuses and do it. I'm not telling you to forget the tragic event. I'm not telling you to forget the stupid thing that we've all done. What I'm telling you to do is look at it through a new lens of like, that ain't me no more. God forgives in four ways, real quick. Number one, God forgives instantly. This ain't no, give me time. That's us. We are raised that way. How many times have you said to your kids like, oh, you lost my trust, you have to? Thank you. Now I get that because we're human, that's wisdom. But what that does is that instills how God is with us. When you go to God and say, God, forgive me of that four letter word I said because of our amazing traffic we have. God's gonna look at you and go, okay, but it's gonna take me a day or two to see how you are. No, no, no. Instantly. Number two, God forgives completely. Man. Here's where it gets even better. God forgives repeatedly and last God forgives 
freely. My last quick little thing. I, I, have you guys seen The Passion of the Christ? Right? Tough movie. We owned that movie for a whole year before I ever watched it. We had friends and who like who come over our house and said, tonight's the night, we're gonna watch that movie. And I was like, oh! So we put the movie in. No one told me it's in a different language. And if you knew me back then, I hate reading. And I'm like, now you want me to watch a movie that I don't wanna watch and now I have to read it to understand it. However, I get why they did that. We're on the very first scene, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I can watch emotional movies and be pretty good. Like if it's a manly movie like Braveheart, I'm gonna shed a tear. But Titanic, come on, I knew what was gonna happen. Come on, they could have shared. I'm just saying, they both could have fit on that. That's debatable, whatever. But as where you're just thinking that through, like they could have fit on that thing. But when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, two minutes into the movie, I lost it. I'm talking, not your average crying. Have you ever done the, (laughs) like you can't breathe. And they're looking at me like, why are you crying? I'm like, cause I know what's going to happen. And even though I, one of the things that visually has changed my life and I want to show you how it ties to your forgiveness and our forgiveness. When they made the movie, there's so many documentaries and stories on one of the scenes when Jesus is laying down on the cross and the camera zooms in on his hand and then the, the, the guard has the nail in his hand and it's, they're going to put it in Jesus's hand. When they shot that scene the first time, the director, Mel Gibson, said, whoa, whoa, he stopped it. He actually reached over, took the nail from the actor and he said, I want that to be my hand. And he said, the reason why, it helps me remember of what Jesus paid for me. For every strike of that nail, God said, debt paid, debt paid, debt paid, debt paid, over and over and over. I hope the next time you even see that, that's exactly what you see that visual comes in going, that should be my hand. That should be your hand. If, don't let it go to waste. Don't let what Jesus charged you, don't hold it from you. You're definitely gonna give it to others. Cause I'm telling you, let's don't even think about others right now. The moment you get it for you, that cup will be overflowing so much. You're gonna be walking around family members that you just love to hang around sometimes at family reunions and go, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And they're gonna walk out and go, excuse me, I forgive you too. Because you can't help it because you are finally set free from you. If you guys stand up real quick. Our prayer team is going to be down here. Look, let someone pray with you on that. Say, hey, help me forgive myself. And that's why I want to pray with you guys. So let's go to a word and prayer. God, thank you for forgiving us. My prayer for all of us that's in this room, and God, my name is in that hat, to give us the strength to do what we can't do for us to look deep down inside and say, I forgive you. 
You knew not what you did, but you know now. Jesus, help us work on that forgiveness that you gave and modeled for us. As we go to our jobs, schools, wherever it may be, that that overflows into more forgiveness, that we continue to just do what doesn't make sense, and that's to forgive. God, we thank you for everything that you are. And everybody said, amen. You guys are dismissed. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.